Hello and welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me, as always, is Josh Cacho. Josh, have you recovered yet from that winter? Oh my. Um, let's just put it this way. I'm I'm only working one more day this week because my it's my daughter's birthday on Friday. So I'm going to just go ahead and forget this one ever happened because that's how <laughs> it's just bad. Move on you know, to happier like, things. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. We're going to Disneyland, so it's just one nice. of those things. Where we're just gonna erase it all, not think about it, yeah, and uh, move on because that was ugly, right? It definitely wasn't the obviously the game in itself um, started out on quite the quite the wrong foot mm-hmm. um, with some miscommunication with guys who haven't been playing together very much, as you can tell, uh, and then. You know, I felt like we took control of it and looked good for the majority of the game in terms of just being able to control control what they were trying to do. Like, I mean, I, I felt we were on the front foot the, for the majority of the game. But again, something that we've, you know, it's a theme for most of the time for most of the season is just that inability to put things, you know, put away chances, right? Like what I, I have, to, you know got to look back and see what the xg was again for this game and again not that that really tells you much but it more than anything it i think it feel like it doesn't tell you much when you're actually scoring goals what it tells you a lot is how not clinical we are when it's high and then we're we're still not producing right like the negative side of xg i think is the more valuable thing to take away as opposed Mm -hmm. to the the positive thing where you're like oh he's creating x amount of chances right Okay, I want to know how many chances we created and then didn't complete and then didn't complete because that tells us something about what our finishing is like yeah. more than anything. I think that speaks more volumes than what's actually happening in the last, you know, obviously, you know, David Ochoa stood on his head and did everything he could to, you know, to make his case for the national team um, in the past game. But even then, right, you st- we got to put up at least three to four goals given yeah. the chances that we've had. So, you know, if should the rumors be true, and we'll get you know, looks like we're gonna get some uh, some support on the front line, and hopefully that'll change some things up. But yeah, this this one this one was tough a tough pill to swallow. So yeah, obviously if you're listening to the show, you know what happens. But um, LAFC open up uh, the match. I should say Portland opens up the match within you know the first two minutes they score. Um, it's kind of a it all starts with like a bad back pass from from Marco Farfan. Not quite uh, Andre Horta bad, but up there. Um, and then, you know, the ball gets bandied about a little bit, and then the ball is switched over the top of the box to Diego Valeri, who is floating off of Farfan's shoulder. Farfan has, has lost him, and he goes five-hole on Romero. Um and then, you know, it takes about 20 minutes, LAFC equalize. And like you said, they, I mean, they look good. Um, it's really like outside of the first two minutes and, and the last one minute is is all that it took for Portland to win, right? And then for the, the 90 minutes in between, LAFC looked good um, and dominant, even if they weren't finishing all their chances like they should have. Um and then at the end, you have a, a throw-in. There's confusion at the back as you have two wingers playing wing-back. Now, last week, Edwards looked really good there, uh, especially in the attack. Tonight, Baird looked good in the attack, but uh, I, I have to imagine that with Mario being um, Mario being suspended, Blackman's filling in. I thought he played well. Um, but So you already have a three-man back line that hasn't played together. Then you add attacking players in his wing backs and there's a defensive breakdown surprise surprise and a winner in the 93rd minute for for portland so lafc dropped those points um again it it's the results kind of speak for themselves that you lost points but i do think the performance was encouraging for some reasons so josh what did you see from the team tonight I mean, I to me again, it's this is a reversion to some of the reasons why we lose. We've lost some random games in the past, right? It's just falling asleep at the most yep. inopportune moments, rather than it being like we look terrible for ninety minutes. Yeah, right? like I've seen this team has definitely played worse than it has tonight. 
Yeah, right? yeah. There is still some concern in terms of, like I said, being able to put away chances. Um, but at the end of the day, right, like you're saying, like there is slightly more to be, you know, to there is slightly more to say, hey, that wasn't that bad. Um, and actually, we saw some positive notes there than, you know, than previous matches. But I think the the one thing that I was actually surprised about was them actually staying in the three five two, right? Given what mm-hmm. Portland, we know what Portland does, right? It's either, it's usually that Christmas tree formation, right? A four three, two one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So four three two one is typical. Tonight they were, in, I think it was more of a four two three one, but where they had, but I mean, because it was what Valeri and. And it looked like it was like Valeri and Chara underneath. Uh, so Valeri, Valeri was kind of like a, the 10. There was a guy, I don't remember his name, alongside Chara as as a kind of a dual okay. pivot type of role. And then you have the, well, I mean, you had Paredes and, Die- and Diego Chara deep, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like there was, I'm trying to think who the other midfielder is. I guess it was. Um, so you have the other Chara on the left wing and then whoever it is on Valeri the right in the wing. middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a. Uh, I don't remember his name. Uh, yeah, that doesn't really matter. But regardless, right against that more compressed midfield, mm-hmm. right? It didn't seem. It, it just felt like we weren't taking advantage of what we potentially could have done. You know, with what we know they're gonna do, right? Portland has often tried to move away from anything anything other than a five man midfield, and never works out. Yeah. Right. So it seems like, especially after how this season has started for them, right? They've already reverted to to their fight. You know, like I said, it's like basically a four five one, um, in either a four two three one or four three two one, and whatever depending on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. But really, their goal is to compress the midfield, um, and make you break down. You know, break break down their block right with Chara and Paredes kind of just sitting deep and trying mm-hmm. to break every break up play. Uh, but it just felt congested. It didn't feel, yeah, like the way that we were able to, ta- you know, like we opened them up as time went on, but it it was, I don't know, it just didn't feel like the, you know, like that the chances when you got into the final third were still a bit lacking, even though I felt like we controlled the midfield for the majority of the time. Now that question becomes, were they allowing us to do that? Because again, you didn't see much pressure until we, we crossed midfield and maybe that's a factor of them getting an early goal in the second minute because the pressure started to ramp up towards the end of the game. Um, and they were in, you know, you see Romero being able to draw them out a little bit farther from, from the formation. But even then you just, I just felt like they were able to just sit deep for the majority of, of, of the game and yeah, not really yeah. give much. Um, I mean, they, we, we, they're the go-to when it comes to bunker ball, right? They're the go-to team to pick on when it comes to people like a team that is just going to play cynically. And like you said, I, I do think, you know, four five, one is a perfect, perfectly good characterization because it's not like those wingers are getting forward all that much. It's not like they're, you know, parked out wide. They're in the midfield to make it compact and make it miserable to play through them. And you saw that you saw it tonight. Uh, certainly. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, a lot of times, uh, LAFC looked like they were in more of a three-four-three with Cifuentes trying to like kind of not lead the line but be a part of that front three. And I, it was you that pointed out that you know he's dropping back as much as possible. Sometimes it's Rosie dropping back. They're kind of rotating in and out, probably just to try and match them for numbers, right? So they are going from a three-four-three into a three-five-two because Portland has five guys in the midfield. Um, I think one thing that complicated it for LAFC tonight was that they couldn't really build down the left wing. Uh, Palacios just looked like he was kind of out of out of timing, and I know I know that's kind of like a cliche when guys come back, like oh the timing's off, the timing's off. But you see a lot of balls played just in front of uh, his teammates. You see balls that like he doesn't really expect. Uh, he and Vela almost make that connection. Can't really blame him on that. It's, you know, it's it that's going to be a prayer anyway. Great ball from Vela, and he just couldn't get on the end of it. Um, so I thought he, I thought he kind of struggled. And Farfan, you know, he's he's not a left center back. He, he's filled in pretty well so far, uh, but certainly struggled tonight. It makes you wonder if it's just a factor of playing people that know him a little bit better uh, and how to bottle him up uh, or how to attack him more 
more effectively. But um, I, I really did feel like they were limited to the right side of the field today. And not that that's a bad thing. I mean, you got Carlos Vela and, and Moon over there cooking the entire time. So, um, yeah, as, as far as tactically like, go, I, it goes, I think I think that's about it. Yeah, I mean, but the one thing I will say, like compared to you know the last couple of games where where we've really seen that connection between Moon and Vela, it didn't feel like Moon really had that nearly as much opportunity to really get down and and do as much damage as we've come to see him, right? It seemed like he was playing. He'd basically like come up a couple of times and then stop short, right? Like he was playing more to kind of pinch in um, as opposed to getting down the line where we've seen him do the majority of his damage. Now, mm-hmm. There's a couple opportunities he had there where they finally, when, when they started to kind of pull Portland more vertically, but for a good moment there, right? You just didn't see him have that space to operate down down the edge because, like I said, with the way that they're playing their midfield, they can go sideline to sideline in terms of now not giving up that space and making yeah, play through yeah. it. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, Portland definitely picked up on this because you saw Steve Clark waiting for Cifuentes to to start pressing him before he'd play the ball out um, when the when play was a little bit slower, um, and that, I mean. I think I think they picked up on the idea that we were dropping him back into the midfield to help, and so that was one interesting thing that I noticed. Like, oh, Clark is really waiting specifically for Cifuentes to come up through Vela and, and Rossi to to pressure the ball before he plays it out. Um, yeah, that, we saw Janela tonight. I thought Janela uh, looked about as he always does. He's clean on the ball. His passing is. Um, really crisp it's you know he'll put he'll, he's gonna miss place a ball here and there but he's he's also going to see balls one of the first balls he played was you know through not only not only horizontal lines but vertical lines at the same time onto palacios's foot um i thought i thought he looked good and yeah that i mean some positive things to come out to yeah come i out think in possession tonight. in possession he looked good he was non-existent on defense and just slow. Yeah, no. Like, it, yeah, I, I should have gone into that. He's he is right, slow to which, react on defense, slow to get back, slow to close which, down. You know, like I think a couple times, you know, like you're saying when when Sifu gets pulled forward in the press, now that's when Portland's really able to kind of now build up a little bit more possession there, because you know that once you pull Sifu out of the midfield, now leaving it as a four man midfield you're not going to get that same close down that you typically would when it's you know Atuesta and K and Blessing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in in a, in that triumvirate together alongside obviously lately Moon and uh and and uh playing and Edwards or Farfan depending on the situation right like you typically just see that uh, just that quick close down today I felt like there's a couple times where you see that ball once they pull Sifu f- forward it was one ball and then now is a one-on-one between a you know midfielder or forward and tristan blackman or with one of one of the you know one of the center backs which again like you know you see farfan gets kind of get get cooked a couple times there where he's getting pulled forward trying to now close down because that that first line has been you know like the midfield really isn't doing what it's supposed to um you know, especially on that left-hand side, whereas you know, a couple of times you see when they're trying to go down the opposite, blessings usually around there buzzing around, um, seafood dropping in occasionally there. But again, it just felt like it was just way more, um, like for as as much as he was able to do, and when he had the ball in possession, the downside is still there in terms of his ability to now counter press and do some of these things that create more chances given the lack of creativity that we often see from our midfield. Yeah, I mean it's it's right. tragic because you do want to see somebody added to that midfield that can pass and and maintain the ball like he does, but man, it's just not there defensively and it's not going to work as he can't work in a single pivot if that's his effort when defending. So I, I don't I don't I really don't know what the answer for him is in terms of uh seeing the field unless he's going to take uh, a spot further up in the midfield, but with Cifuentes and Blessing playing like they are, th- that's never going to happen. So um, I guess only time will tell with him. But 
Yeah. I mean, like right now, in the absence of Atuesta, right? If, if you have to say, okay, Atuesta is gone because we, he gets sold, right? Obviously, tonight he missed because of it seems like he took an, he has an adductor injury, um, which again, they got to be careful with because the groin strain can yeah. linger for days. So, this is something they're going to have to deal with, my guess, for the next two games at minimum. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not pushing him to come back any sooner than what not he's definitely I, I definitely would sit him again for Vancouver and then give depending on the severity and then then look at next Wednesday being his return if if at all. Yeah, I mean the problem with an adductor strain is like you see guys injure it and they re-injure it just kicking the ball even like it's it's not mm-hmm. um it's not something that's like oh I can kind of baby it or you know. It's not Daryl DK hurting his shoulder because he fell over after not being hit in the face. Like it's a it's a it's a muscle group that you really need when playing soccer for obvious reasons. Um. All right, uh, let's get into interesting sub pattern from Bob tonight. Um, he stands up Raheem Edwards and Corey Baird to come in as the wing backs for Diego Palacios, who I definitely think needed a sub. And Moon, who I don't think needed a sub unless you're saying he needs rest. Um, I'm not sure I, I agree with trading points in hand on the road for a couple extra minutes against Vancouver at home on Saturday. But I don't know. What do I know? Um, especially when it's when you're bringing him Baird to play at wing back. Now, Granted, Baird looked really good in the attack tonight, and he it felt like he had plenty of space to create um, and to to maneuver, and he, that is, he did exactly that. A couple shots, uh, he was able to get off a couple shots, especially cutting in on his left foot. Um, but ultimately, I think that's part of the problem. Those two subs specifically in in the goal that you that you give up. Uh, anything on on the wing back strategy there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's again, it's just one of those things where I think we're we're dealing with a roster build issue, right? This is a, a broken, a broken record on this on this podcast yeah, in terms yeah. of, you know, just our kind of analysis of the whole thing and what, you know, and what ultimately we we would come to expect, right? And given, you know, it's like, yeah, are we are we do we have three potential center backs to be able to step in and play? A th- the be- a three five two sure, but if one goes down, now you're just asking people to play out of position, and it's going to be a little bit of a bit of an issue because again, I don't think, you know, in the in the situation, who's your backup? You know, your backup right back is playing center back because your other center mm-hmm. back is suspended, right? So at that point, and, and your backup left back is playing left center back, <laughs> sure, right? And so, right, what what I was thinking they would probably. I, what I was, I thought they would probably do was more is sit into like a deep four four two, right? Go back to you know U.S. Men's National Team Bob Bradley and just bunker in, right? Stay, stay with a four man back line, play that four, drop drop one of the forwards in, leave one up high, and just sit and counter, right? And like, but again, sticking in that attack, you know, maybe they were pushing, but again, that's but I would think, okay, do we stay in that formation because we want to push forward into attack? But then we didn't see much of an attack, right? Like there was a there was a came a point, what around the 80th, 85th minute where you just look they looked like they were content with taking home the point. Yeah, and yeah. that's why it didn't really make sense to, you know, given given who we brought in, I'm not sure it was the best thing to stay where we were at in that in that case. So I think for me, this formation was fine today. I think it's it's easy enough to get into a five man back line to help defend. Um, you do have a lot of defensive presence in the midfield in Blessing and Cifuentes, um, if not Janela. So you kind of have, you know, seven guys that you can count on to defend on at the beginning. And like we said earlier, they, they did just that. What what I felt they kind of, uh, like what you said, there was a, a lack of an attacking presence. Or I felt like there were just a lot of hopeful balls from deep in the midfield or from uh, from deep from like a deep on the wings. And I ultimately that's where they score from, right? Moon plays a ball over the top to, to Rossi who gets onto the end of it behind all the defense and serves up a nice cross for, for Vela. But that's really like, you know, they tried that 
a dozen times tonight. It came off once, which it was a good goal, well executed. Um, but that's kind of all they had going. Um, not dangerous yeah, on but, corners. I mean, not. Yeah, but when you think about it, it, it seems like we did fall back into the old trap, right, of when a team sits into that five-man midfield, right, rather than try and create lateral stress, right, we, we just go into vertical mode, right, as your only other yeah. option of trying to play through play through the lines, right, as opposed to, you know, could why, if we're in a 3-5-2, right, with the guys we have on the field, why can't you, why aren't you playing that ball to Moon who automatically switches it across the field to now, and then you then you're off to the races, right, as opposed to, playing our, the intricate, you know, short pass buildup through the middle of the field where you're into the teeth, right? Like mm-hmm. the majority of our buildup was right into the teeth of their defense. And I think I said, I think we played into the trap in terms of now your only opportunities is to now try and stretch them over the top, right? And, you know, I, I'm not sure we have the personnel with Vela's aging legs and also p- playing on short on short rest, to be able to do that consistently for 90 minutes. Cause yeah. this was probably the first time I've ever seen Rossi look tired. Yeah. Right? He just, yeah, at the end of the game, you'd look like he had that, nothing. That last left footed shot mm-hmm. that he's got on Clark is just kind of like, yeah. like just kind of scuffs like, it. And yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, until you're just like, okay, well now you question whether or not that was the right call given, you know, just more or again, the, are we coming back to are the, are the principles a bit stale given what we want to be able to do in these situations? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think tonight was, was really personnel driven. Honestly, I do think when you go back to those subs, so Bob stands up those two subs, right? Edwards and, and Baird. And a minute later, it takes a while. Like the, the, the commentators pick up on Baird and Edwards coming in and it takes a minute or so for the subs to actually come in. And by the time, we're ready to make the subs. Savarese has called up Mora and Blanco to come on. So he's bringing on attackers because they're going for the kill. Um, and one thing that I thought was interesting and I got to give Bob credit for is he decided, okay, well, let's get Bryce Duke on for Janela. Uh, most likely realizing these two attackers are going to be extra dangerous, right? Uh, so we're going to get Janela off. We're going to move Sifuentes back to kind of like a double pivot uh, with Latif blessing and Bryce Duke is going to come in and play the 10. You texted me, is this a three, four, you texted me, it looks like a three, four, one, two. And I think, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what they did. They inverted the midfield where you had uh, a triangle, you know, pointing back to our goal with Janela as a single pivot. And then they flipped it around with, with Duke at the top of the triangle in the midfield afterward. Uh, which I think I think worked well up until you know again minute ninety three. So mm-hmm. credit to Bob there for recognizing what Savarese was doing and kind of going along with the chess match. But um, yeah, anyway, that's about that's about all I got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, like I think Duke was fine. He looked good. You know, like mm-hmm. I think his time with Vegas is, you know, that through ball is starting to is going to find someone in a good moment. Yeah, you know, yeah, sooner sure. than later. Um, you know, and you know, and considering we don't outside of Atuesta, there isn't really another guy on the roster, other you know, other than Vela and and, and Atuesta who can play that ball consistently, yeah, um, with yeah. the right weight and all those different things from from a more advanced position, right? Like we mm-hmm. talk about, like even Atuesta sometimes, you know, K especially right when they have time to pick up their head, scan the field, right, from a deeper lying position, right, they can put a ball, serve a ball on a plate. Right. Yeah. But we don't really have those too many of the guys who right in a tight space can flip and then now make that that through pass right with less time and with, you know, de- defensive midfielders closing in on you. Yeah. Um, so that's the, so- the, the one other thing I wanted to say about that is when you see Duke come on and Baird's having success on that on that wing in the attack. That's when I finally felt like, all right, they're slowing it down now. They're actually trying to pull them apart. And they created they created plenty of dangerous chances. Won a bunch of corners. Uh, both both Vela and Rossi had multiple chances on goal. Um, just really poor finishing, kind of like you said. Like it'd be interesting to look at the XG and see um, just how poor the finishing was on this one point one point seven three. Okay. Okay. Yeah, two point five. Right, but then you lost two one. 
they, that was Portland's was 0. 0.5. Dude. Man, really? Because I mean, think about it. Like they in in possession, they didn't really do a whole lot. Yeah, it's true. Like, that's true. Like the the you know, even though we were, you know the midfield was getting bypassed, you know the back three was doing a good job of basically just breaking up play. You know, doing yeah, their thing. Yeah. You know, they had the first chance and the last chance of the game that they put away. Mm-hmm. Right, and other than that, you know, they had what I think they had. We had nine corners at one point. And I think they had two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, we had a, an absurd amount of opportunities there, right? Like, yeah. And I mean, I, up, LAFC, I think, again, had 17 shots. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, 17 right. shots, you know, you're putting however many on frame. You should have scored at least, you know, like I said, you got to put, you got to, you got to put at least three of those away, man. Yeah. I situation. mean, Bela was called offside, I think, on the one where he's one on one with Clark that he just kind of like, I mean, even on that one, though, right? You, He's in. Um, and it's just right. I mean, it's right to Clark on the ground. Just, and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. man, these guys have got to. They got to find a better way to to finish here. But, all right. Well, anything else on this one before we get into questions? No, I mean, I'm tired of talking about this loss. <laughs> okay. Oh man, let me pull them up here. Oh, people are angry, Josh. We have a lot here. Oh boy. Man, that which is surprising because you, I think, I feel like while it's disappointing, we have a relatively positive take on this game, comparatively yeah. to what I think we're about to what we're about to encounter in the comment section. Yeah, yeah. All right, first one from Lionel Hutz at from Cheap Seat. The last three corners were pathetic. Neither Edwards or Duke could provide service. Why not play it short to at least generate something? I did notice that. Um, first, I I thought it was interesting that. Edwards played any corners at all, and then he played the final set piece of the game. Um, but we keep going for that near post header. It's like there's a runner that runs to the near post, and we're trying to put it on top of his head so he can kind of head it backwards across the face of goal um, for somebody to run on and, and finish uh, after at the back post. And Duke put it in the guy's feet twice, and it seems like the timing was all off on it. Uh, it is frustrating to see that many corners. I guess Rossi had the one called back for for being offside, but so little danger coming from so many corners. You yeah, got I mean, on those. My thing is like we've 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 been little to not at all dangerous on any kind of set pieces thus far. So yeah, yeah I mean, I guess it's the first attempt at something different, you know. And especially if you don't have your towering center back present from Rio to get ahead on, you know, to in, in the box. Yeah. On the, to, you know, like Farfan's not getting on the end of anything, right? Blackman is your only hope at that point. Mm-hmm. Segura is, is, you know, five foot eight, if that, right? So he was not really, tall enough to win the ball in <laughs> at the end of the game tonight. Yeah. So, you know, so at that, at that point, really, it's like, it might, again, to like most of what we saw for the thing, I have to wonder if the majority of it was just an, a personal issue given given what we had out right yeah and i mean you're you're, down- you're uh, janella i saw as that front post runner several times so when you're you know obviously he's not on with with edwards and and duke but um when you have personnel rotated this heavily it's get, it's going to look a little bit more shaky i will say the one the one short set piece that i saw was uh was the new the new duo that's forming on the right wing there from, from Vela to moon. I, I figured Vela was just going to have a shot, even though he's so far out, but played in it for moon and who I think played it out for a corner. If I remember correctly, but it had a nice cross of, across the face of goal. And then they, you know, Portland cleaned it up. Okay. So, okay. Next one also from Lionel brutal loss again, outplayed a team, but let it slip away. Yeah. It's, it's uh it feels a lot like 2018 in that way, right? They'll get up or we'll, we'll have a good result in hand and shut off just for a minute and it's over. Next one is also from Lionel. At this point, they know the Timbers and Sounders approach. They rough up Vela and look to strike on the counter. Bob needs to badger the ref all game, even if it means getting ejected. This is an interesting point because, I mean, we do see Vela get fouled a lot um especially like you said against these two teams um 
do you think Bob needs to hassle that that fourth official a little bit more and let Kenny I mean, Arena take over? Sometimes you feel like Bob's always just in, you know, like, do the officials just kind of tune him out at someone because I feel like he's constantly talking to them, right? <laughs> so I'm not sure. I'm not sure his lack of asking for it is is really is really going to do something about it. I think in in those situations, right? You, it's that what is it? The persistent infringement, right? You, I think they have to make a point of, you know, you almost have to invite it early on, yeah, so that it becomes becomes a thing for throughout the rest of the match, right? Yeah, it's one of those ones where you can't let it. You know, Vela has to has to sell it early. And then at that same point, like, you know, when it becomes, as you continue to, as it builds, you typically throughout the game, you see it more and more, right? So I think that's why you see guys like Neymar, right? They'll take the, the softest of hits, but then they're really going to sell it early on because at that point now, the rest, the watchful eye of the ref just becomes more, you know, more aware of what the other team is trying to do at that point yeah. in terms of being physical with your superstar. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, even, even if you have to sell it a little bit, I think a lot of times, uh, some of these fouls, you know, you might go down soft, but it's still a foul. And I think because so many of, uh, us in the U S watch American football, it's kind of this, and we all grew up with it type of thing. Like it's no, 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 you tough it out, stay on your feet, finish the play type of thing. But sometimes, sometimes you gotta go down, uh, to, to draw those calls because like you said, you have to, you have to start early too a lot of the time because you're going to get fouled seven or eight times a game. Um, and that's just the fouls of the call. You might get hit another seven or eight times without them saying anything. So yeah, especially against and, a team you like know, Diego Chara. Well, and they're playing at home, right? So, you know, obviously that's, there's always that yeah, factor of the yeah. crowd's always going to come to it now that there actually is a crowd. Right. But it also probably doesn't help that you have Diego Rossi on your team who's going to literally go down at the touch of a finger. So, again, like, you know, like, as much as I love him being on our team, he may be the most annoying player that I would, you would probably ever have to face on the oh, field. You, he's, definitely, he's definitely the guy that if he's on another team, you are just screaming at the TV because, like, are you, are you, you seriously went down again, really, over that? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes he gets Diego Char sent off for it, so yeah. no complaints from me. For an ear <laughs> flick. Uh, that again, I think I think we just talked about that a few a few episodes ago. But it is seriously one of my favorite memories of Diego Rossi because it really is a heads up play where you have to go down because the guy hits you in the head, so you go down mm-hmm. and you draw that you draw the other card. So. Yeah, you make a meal of it. You, I mean, again, it's just one of those things where I think, like, you know, again, as much as as much as you kind of hate to see it, sometimes, like, there was that game where I think it was the lot, not this past RSL game, but the one earlier in the season at home mm-hmm. where Farfan is just rolling around on the ground for, yeah, like, they're yeah. literally as play continues. Anything. Yes, yeah, yes. you know, but but again, even though you know, like, even though it was nothing came of it. You know, it's 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 psychology, right? In the back of your head, as a referee, you're gonna you're gonna just gonna peek over there every now and then, right? Yeah, yeah. and and you're gonna just watch a little bit closer, right? And the, and again, it depends on how you go about it, right? Like you probably can't be a Rossi and 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 just kind of just talk 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 talk, or even sometimes the way Atuesta does it, right? But there's there is a there is a time and a, and a place and and a way to talk to officials to get every call you ever need. So whether what, one thing I will say about Rosie and Atuesta, I feel like they play off of each other exceptionally well, um, where like Rosie will talk and talk and talk and the ref will send him away and you'll see Atuesta just like Atuesta will be two steps behind Rosie and then he'll go engage the ref. So it's kind of like the ref will get rid of one and then here comes Atuesta to give him just a little bit more. Just to, And so that's something, again, I, I appreciate that. That's... Yeah, I mean, that's well you can play the good. It, it, it's you know, it's a, it's a it's an art form, right? It's good cop, bad cop. It's it's do we are we just both annoying, you know? And it's just you just overload overload them with complaints, you know. Either way, you know, there's a there's, you know, to do it well is 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 something that you know that comes with the best of them. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, 
Next one is from at introverted winger at Viva. Palacio saved this game for Portland. Absolutely awful night from him. Yeah, so we kind of talked about this. Timing was off. I feel like there were a couple chances in the attack where he, you know, he'll play a ball behind one of the strikers or, uh, you know, overcook a pass here or there. You see an early ball from Farfan. Farfan kind of finds this this outside ball to him, and he just doesn't make the run. And he he comes away sheepish. He he realizes what he did as the ball goes out for a goal kick. So he kind of turns around and gives like the thumbs up, like, "Hey, that was the right idea. I'm sorry." Um, but it was it was bad, and it's it's not like he had anybody on that side to cover for him because he's also you know it's Farfan and Janela over there. So it was going to be it was going to be rough on that side of the field. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, like, crazy enough, he was the best defender on that side of the field the whole game, mm-hmm. right? On mm-hmm. top of that, right? So, you know, while he's a step off from an offensive perspective, which is kind of what leads to that kind of miscommunication between him, him and and Farfan is what I think leads to that first goal, right? It's like a bad pass. So it's a bad pass. It's a pass in front of Blackman. I don't know if I don't know if Farfan saw the the Portland attacker. There was kind of so you have Blackman and Segura and uh, Farfan all kind of in like this really spread out triangle. And Farfan, I don't think sees the guy like sitting right in that hypotenuse area, right in between him and, and mm. Segura. And so he plays a ball into Blackman, meant to like play it out in front of him so he can come onto it, and it's it's taken away immediately. Yeah, and so you know, it's like you have, you know, I, I once, but you could tell once they got a little bit more comfortable, then then it, you could see the pattern started to make a little bit more sense. And defensively, yeah, yeah. I think he was as good as he normally is. Um, it's just again, I like I think because of what we've got gotten to see from Moon, he still leaves a lot to be desired on the left hand side. But you, yeah. you do need him to pop off because if if you can return Palacios back to CCL form. Right, which is you know best eleven. He's a guy that you know you you're gonna cash in on again, right? And it's probably yeah. why they're they're gonna push him a little bit more than they are, you know, for as well as Edwards has played. I have to think that Palacios is gonna get a little bit more run or more. The leash is gonna definitely be longer given what investment they put on him. Yeah, and I mean, despite the the kind of howler of a game that Farfan had tonight, I think you can have plenty of confidence if you do get an offer on Palacios to move him. It's not like, well, we have zero, we have zero midfielders to replace that right now. Like, I think, I think you can get quality minutes game in and game out from, from Farfan if you do end up having to move Palacios in the winter or something, because he's shown well, but that's, that's probably a discussion for another day. Um, next one here, Josh is from Christopher Colonna at LAFC 2021, this team will never win another trophy or even contend for another trophy unless until they learn how to close out matches. It's getting really frustrating watching them drop points again and again and again. They could have walked away with a point tonight, but would not have been bad, uh, which would, would, excuse me, which would not have been bad considering how tough an environment Portland is to play in, but they just had to go ahead and screw it all up. This team really needs to fix its mentality late in games. They're too weak. Tell us how you really feel, Chris. Josh, <laughs> tell us how you feel. I mean, he's not wrong, right? But it's like one of those things where if if Mario's there, I, you, it's probably okay. Yeah, really. And I don't want to make it. To, I don't want to be sound too flippant about it because it does stink that we, you know, we dropped, you know, we dropped more points than we should have here. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you should definitely take away a point here, but. At the same time, I mean, you're you're missing two of your most important players on the team. In yeah. that sense, and in, yeah. in these in those moments, those are the people that you're counting on to make those right decisions. Right now, again, Mario hasn't always done that. Right, look mm-hmm. no further than the Galaxy game where he makes a boneheaded play when we we probably should have won. Yeah, you know, at least at least drawn, but probably should have won that game. You know, in that. But out, again, you make a boneheaded play; it happens. But yeah, you've seen him grow, right? Then, literally, the next game after that, you see him just in the same situation, yeah, just get rid of, of it, course. right? So, what happens um, when you sign twenty-six-year-old Colombians, right? 
Absolutely. And so, you know, obviously you hope the next one that comes in, in, in hopefully, you know, a week or two, right. Comes, comes big and does, does something similar. But, you know, in those, in those particular moments, my thing is that I think that you're, you get a little bit more when you have the band all together and we just haven't had the band together. Yeah, I, and it, so this goes back again. You you mentioned it already. The the idea of a roster build, and we've stumbled onto this three man for three man backline formation that's um, that's looked really effective so far. Um, I, I think they tried at the beginning of the season, didn't look as good. But the you know the last four or five games, it's looked they've been they look like LAFC again in this formation. But what you and I have said is they don't have the roster for this, right? Um, you have Marco Farfan now playing left center back when he's a left back. Uh, Jordan Harvey is the only center back left. And so you have Mario, you know, he gets suspended. And now this is the plan that you're forced into because this is the formation that's been working. So to me, I still think like, if this is what you're going to do, you probably need to go sign a center back during this transfer window. Um, it doesn't have to be a world beater, but you got to have somebody back there to help you kind of shore it up on days like this. I mean, it's literally all I was thinking was like, where is Dejan Yakovic? Cause <laughs> at the, and at, I mean, because honestly, like if you rather than start, you know, given your, given what you knew you were missing, right. Part of me feels like if you start in a four, three, three, and then finish in the three, five, two, bringing an extra center back in instead of asking for, you know, Corey Baird to come back and play wing back, right? Uh-huh. Like, it, I don't know. It felt a little bit backwards, right? In terms of the the thought process there, right? it's like going, you know, like maybe if you're home, you can get away with it, but away on the road, right? You felt like you could been you could have been a little bit more conservative, at least to start the game, and then brought the heat on as time goes on, right? In and and push numbers. Yeah, forward. yeah. Again, going back to those subs, I I would have liked to have seen more defensive subs, but. Who do you who do you have? Again, Harvey's probably in the eighteen. I don't I don't even know what the eighteen looked like to be honest with you, because um, this is a high quality <laughs> production here. <laughs> um, Harvey Harvey's probably there. I don't know if we had anybody out with Vegas, but I mean, who else? Who else? Who are your other defenders? You have Fall, Traore, and Duenas, right? And then and Leone. Um, so I mean, who are you bringing on? By the way. Dejan Yakovic is now with Forge FC in the Canadian Premier League. Hmm. So I wish he was still sitting on the bench. Probably for cannot get just, him on a free right now. For about <laughs> six minutes, you know, six minutes every third game. That's yeah, all I needed. Yeah. Right, and the occasional, the occasional, you know, suspension sub. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, next one, unpopular football lover from Foot Fanatica. This is going to be a difficult stretch of midweek games. Really shows our lack of depth. Actually, man, this one was like perfectly teed up right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, with this three-four-three, three-five-two thing, our midfield looks back to being like it looks like we have plenty of midfielders because Mark Anthony K isn't even around, and we're, and the midfield looks good, um, but we're really, really struggling uh, at at the back line where we don't have enough center backs to play this way. We really don't even have enough wing backs to play this way because like you said, our backup our backup center backs are also our backup fullbacks. So it's tough right now. It's tough. Mark Mark Anthony K has previously played left wing back for the Canadian national team. So there is my shout when he, he I mean used to be a winger for uh Louisville too. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, um, maybe that's the answer. Probably not, but you know it's it's my own, it's our only hope. He's probably better than Edwards, to be honest with you. Defensively, for sure, but Edwards yeah. got the sauce, man. He's been putting yeah. trying to split <laughs> defenders left and right. <laughs> oh man! All right, next one is from Jonathan at Boozology. Set piece woes continue. How do we solve the aerial problem? We concede as many breakaways from corners as we create chances, maybe more. We seem to only create chances from run of play. This is all, I mean, these are all really good questions here. Do you want to take a hack at any of these before I jump in here? Yeah. So how do you solve the aerial problem? Don't sign defenders who are all f- underneath five foot nine. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> and 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 you can get it. And for what you know, like you're bringing it, you you know, if the reports are true and everything goes through, you're bringing Arango, who's also not above six feet tall. So he doesn't look like. Isn't he like five eleven though? He's five ten, yeah, but still, it's still not six foot. I, need, I mean, that's like I mean, freaking Goliath on our team, though. True, but I mean, if you if you're actually trying to say, okay, if we're actually trying to look at the, how do we get to a point where we can actually play with like an aerial threat? You need to sign Peter Crouch, who's like six foot ten. Yeah, yeah. Right? So what I will or, say or, about Arango, though, from all the video that I've watched so far, is his he actually is a good aerial threat because of his spacing in the box. Like he's able to kind of what, like what Valeri did to Farfan. He will float off a player's shoulder and then win an aerial battle because of it. So his like space creation definitely helps, even though he's a bit shorter, which doesn't always, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily help you on corner kicks, but uh, from open play, it'll help. I think. Yeah. But I mean, we're scoring in open play, right? It's set pieces that we can't ever do anything. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like when you have, when your when your best one of your best defenders in Eddie Segura, who's also your center back, five, is eight. five nine, five eight, five nine. Yeah, you know it's, you know what are you gonna do, right? I mean, K K coming back into the lineup, right? Yep. maybe helps that out a little bit. He's but, a he's a six footer. Janelle is a six footer, surprisingly. Um, yeah, but you can't slide a piece of paper underneath Janelle's feet when he jumps. <laughs> he's not the most athletic guy. Yeah, he's not getting off the ground to save his life. <laughs> oh, man. The other point about uh, conceding a lot of breakaways on corners. And every time we take a corner now and we don't maintain possession of it initially, I am chewing all my nails off because it's there's never anybody back to defend. And tonight you saw one where uh, Valeri gets on the ball and Vela is, is actually the one who just chases him down like a like a bat out of hell, um, which was fun to watch. You don't you don't always see him. You you talk about it a lot. You don't always see him involved in the press. He's not always running at full bore, but he's still got some boosties when he needs them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean he's gonna. I mean Vela has to be more strategic in when he uses it. But you know, like how many times have you seen Latif try to one time when he's the safety valve? Yes. Right or you yeah. know like Farfan actually did a pretty good job of being that guy, but again occasionally today he's having to push up into the box because he's our other center back. So yeah. right. you know and right. and Moon for as great as Moon has been, man, that guy is frantic, right? And so he's not yeah. exactly the safety valve you want back there either. He's so, a big risk taker, mm-hmm. which and I mean live by the sword, die by the sword. So that's that's like the LAFC's model, right? We're gonna we're gonna score a lot of goals and concede some, so. Mm-hmm. And so, the, yeah, so I think, like I said, it's just one of those things where, you know, you you kind of just have to live with what, you know, you you, you got to take what you can because it's Major League Soccer and it's just generally how things work. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, next one, Pepe, at just one, maybe one. Can't believe we don't have any other any other than Vela or Atuesta who can, who can hit a corner kick. So we kind of talked about this, the... Um, the idea that the service was bad. I've thought Bryce Duke's services looked good with Vegas. Um, again, left a lot to be desired tonight. Uh, I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, we don't have, we don't have a, like, it's not in our principles to be hitting a bunch of aerial crosses, which I think is probably the most analogous to sending in a corner kick. Right. So I don't, I mean, I don't really know. Why, like, it's just not something they, they really prioritize. And like you said, well, okay, let's start playing short a lot longer. Right now we're trying to land it on, you know, the head of the guy at the front post. Um, I wonder if they can hire the guy that, that Liverpool hired for all their thrones and corners. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but Liverpool has Virgil van Dijk. So, you know, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and so if he's generally the only guy that's scoring off a header for that team because their front line is not very tall either. Was didn't right, Allison so, score one this year too? Yeah, you have a goalie. Don't sell your and, short, Josh. What are you doing? I mean, it was what saved the saved them from <laughs> saved Champions League. So it's just one of those things. But you know, granted, 
again, you're not, there's only so many teams that play that way now, right? It's a style yeah. that's yeah. definitely we've moved away from and moved towards more skilled players across the board. Major League Soccer is, you know, as most of American football, a bit stuck in the past, right, in terms yeah. of the style of play. So, again, maybe we're just too far ahead and not not ready for those things when the time comes. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. All right, last one, LAFC at LAFC SE. If we want to win trophies, Bob needs to go. Um, Josh, <laughs> take it away. I mean, we, you want the, the guy who just got fired for alienating your best player and not giving anyone water, right? The, the, yeah. so the options are very thin and made, you know, at, the, at this particular juncture in terms of what's available to you. Right, so the grass is not always greener on the other side. Do we have qualms with the way some of the decision making that Bob makes and some of these things? Absolutely, you know. But again, when it comes down to it, I I'm still on. I'm still under the belief that this is more of a roster build issue than it is more, and that tactics can only change so many different things when you don't have the right guys to play the particular tactics, especially in this game where you're just, you're just short, right? Like both physically and in terms of just the number of bodies you have in the field (laughs) to put in particular spaces, right? Like, you know, you just don't, you know, like what are you supposed to do in that situation? If you're Bob, who do you have on the, you know, who do we have on the bench that you're going to tell me that's going to do anything differently than what happened tonight? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's part of being a a salary cap league too, right? Where, you, you can't have a bunch of world beaters um, on the sideline. And even if you do enter Miami, it doesn't always go. It doesn't always go the way that you want it to. Um, I, I agree with you. I'm not, I still think you still see it from LAFC. You still, and you see Bob being able to find a new way with this other formation, given the way the personnel have kind of fallen out this year. Uh, in what I would say an unexpected way where now all of a sudden you don't have a three man front line. You thought Baird might be that guy. You thought Moose Moose might be able to continue, you know, his run of good form from the end of last season. Now he's completely disappeared. Um, and now injured too. I think, I think I saw him on the injury list. Um, so you've moved to this three man back line with a two striker system and you've, he's, he's been able to make it work. You know, they've, they've had better results. Uh, despite the the lackluster start that they had and kind of our calls for, hey, you got to change something. And he, Bob is the one that changed something. Um, and it seems like JT is bringing in some signings. Uh, hopefully, like we said, if if this three-man back line is going to stay, hopefully they, they bring in some reinforcements there too because we're pretty thin. Yeah. All right, I mean, Josh, I think, you got anything else for tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think just to add on that, when it comes at the end of the day, right? Like there's how much difference does a, does a coach actually make at the, at, you know, in, in the long run, but you know, and again, it's, it's debatable, right? But I think in this particular situation, and I think when you look at the grand scheme of things, the coaching change is usually a, you know, making a coaching change mid season or in, or, actually really at any point is often a way to hide the bad decision-making that happened further up the chain, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. just brought in the wrong, wrong guys. And we're going to say, Oh, well the coach didn't use them properly. So then he's out the door, but then the next coach comes in and it's just as bad. Right? Atlanta is the perfect example of that, right? Yeah. Where it's like you overturn a roster, right? You, you, you got rid of guys that are, you know, like, I think we were texting about this here, like how, you know, like if you take a guy like Dar- if you put Darlene and Nagby into our midfield, we would never lose a game. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Th- like, but Atlanta let him walk. Right. Mm-hmm. And not even for DP money. It's a, it's a Tam deal. Right. Like if you yeah. told me that we could trade half our, you know, one our trade Tam money for Darlene and Nagby plus you half of our midfield. Francisco Janela for Darlene and Nagby. Right. That's, Absolutely. That's right. That it, the level right there. Right, and I, I don't think we're losing another game for a while, right? No, 
Um, but look at what Atlanta did, right? You made a bunch of bad front office decisions, tried to patch it up by saying, it, oh, it was the way that Tata was doing things or it was the way that, you know, we want to go a different direction with the bore or we want to go do something, mm-hmm. you know, like, again, you're making, it's just a bunch of bad, bad decisions and trying to fit square pegs into round holes, right? That you're blaming on now a manager that's, that can only do so much, right? Yeah. So unless it's a situation like you're like what happened with Gabriel Heinze, mm-hmm. right? Where you're just not giving you're you're violating CBA agreements in terms of how much rest players can take, and you're not giving them water. And your best player, yeah. who is like the most beloved athletic figure in the city, yeah, is now alienated. Okay, you got to go. So right. to me, right. in this situation, unless it's a situation where Bob has completely lost the locker room. He's completely lost the faith of everyone. Right? I you can say I think this is still more on the front office and JT than it is anything else. Yeah, I so there's a couple things that I want to hit on there. Um first is you can see in like our week to week criticism of this team uh when when results go poorly and for for that matter when they go when results are good you can see the youth in this team reflected in that criticism, right? Where it's, we, they shut off at the end of the game. There isn't, pre- there isn't enough pressure applied to, to this final ball. So it's like, it, that's typically something that you attribute to like a lack of veteran presence, right? It's somebody who needs, who knows how to see out these games is, is kind of the go-to phrase, right? Um, and you see that reflected tonight. In the, in the way that they lose. You see it against SKC with Blackman getting sent off after he got beat. Uh, so it's just kind of one of those, it's like when that's the cause of, of you losing is you shutting off at the end or you have young players who are still trying to figure out a new, a new tactical formation and a new set of tactics to, uh, to implement. That's all youth-based. And I think if, you caught JT in an honest moment. He's going to tell you, yeah, we've, we've gone too hard in this direction on what you and I have called the speculative signings. Uh, Cifuentes, Palacios, um, Janela, maybe even Baird. I don't, you know, like this same profile of guys who are all young because that's all you have on the roster right now are young guys. So when you look down, like you said, when you look down the bench and you say, who can I bring in to really shore up my defense in this game? There's nobody there. Um, and so the, the fact that you see those like high level mistakes actually manifesting themselves in game in game scripts is enough cover for me to be like, no, this, you can't just put this on Bob. Um, and then the second thing is, I think, I think it would make a lot of sense to have that conversation at the end of the year, especially if like results are coming here and there. Like if, if you really do need to part ways with a coach, for whatever reason, because you think he's not going to take you to MLS cup and win it. Um, that's the kind of thing you do at the end of the season. Uh, when, you know, when you can let him go with, with some honor, you can bring in somebody right then, because I mean, what are you going to do if you fire him right now, bring in Kenny arena or Gabriel Heinze because they're available. Um, so I, I think I think it's best just to handle all this stuff in the off season unless there's a big, big problem, like you said. Yeah. And you're gonna have to be dealing with a new coach coming in, implementing a potentially different style and formation and, and yeah. coaching, yeah. whatever, right, with guys that aren't his. Yep. Right. So how yep. often do you see that where they you know, you have a guy that was a killer in another in one, you know, in a you know, like anyone who played for the Phoenix Suns under Mike D'Antoni and then went somewhere else and just looks completely <laughs> lost and different. Right. Steve like, Nash, oh, okay. When he went to the Lakers. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, so, you know, again, it's, it's, there's, you know, style, you know, like there's, there is such a thing where, you know, coaching, coaching can really make and break a player's career and those different things. But again, like to me, a lot of it is, is so that's why I don't think that mid that mid season switch is ever a solution. And like I said, unless you're unless you've you've just completely alienated everyone and lost yeah. the locker room, which again I don't see that at all. You know, yeah. at this point from from the way that you know I think most of the guys speak highly of Bob, the way that he approaches the game, the way that he teaches, the way that he you know he talks to them about certain things. Right, most of them respond very well. Most of them, you know, 
vent, you know, those who and those who get it really thrive, right? And and have improved dramatically. Like there have been guys that have hit that we didn't expect more that much of that turned out to be great for us. Um, you know, obviously there's some that don't either, right? That just don't quite get it. But again, that may speak more to their maturity and some of these things. And again, to ultimately the roster build and who you surround them with, um, if that's what you're trying to do, right? Like if you take a guy like Diego Rossi and then put, you know, Stephen Betashore and Jordan Harvey in the locker room, you know, and, and growing ups in the locker room, it's as much in Marco Reina for that matter, right at the yeah. time, yeah. You, you know, like those are guys that can guide a young guy through his first year in a difficult league in a, at a difficult time of year when you're playing in the heat of summer, um, you know, those are the things that you kind of want to see. And, and I don't think we're quite there yet in terms of who we have on, on, on the roster at the moment. And yeah. I think some of these, like you're saying, these things are what manifests. Yeah. At the most inopportune moments. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it. You good, Josh? Yeah. Okay. Until the next time. Yep. So we will we will be speaking with you again after the Vancouver match. Um, is it Saturday or Sunday? I can't remember which day it is. Saturday. So it's on it's Saturday. Like a short Man. rest. That is a short rest. Okay. And they play so Saturday the evening against Vancouver. We will speak to you again. You can follow the show at Counter Press underscore Josh. LAC Josh on Twitter. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey until Saturday. Everybody have a good one. Bye. <laughs>